0: we live our life with Jesus? How can we be everyday missionaries today? What is Jesus inviting you to notice, believe, or do? Join us today as I interview Greg Finke, author of Joining Jesus on His Mission, How to Be an Everyday Missionary. He and his wife founded Dwelling 114 to help Jesus followers connect to their neighborhoods, workplaces, and schools for discipleship and missional living. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Again, my guest is Reverend Greg Finke, and uh, thank you so much, Greg, for being my guest today.
1: Well, it's an honor. This is going to be fun. All right,
0: good. Well, tell us why you wrote this book.
1: Well, uh, Kay, that's a great question. Actually, people haven't asked me that very often. Uh, Why I wrote the book was because I was running into lots and lots of folks that uh, so badly wanted to you know be a part of of the Great Commission, wanted so badly to act on the things they heard about in sermons and in various Bible studies or maybe the occasional evangelism uh conference and yet uh they just really felt like they didn't know enough or that they might fail or that they might be rejected and and uh the more the more I um myself uh, began to uh, not just talk about evangelism, but actually connect with people that didn't know Jesus or didn't know Jesus very well, we found that uh, some of the simplest things were the most important, and uh, relationship, friendship, trust, um, not being in a hurry, you know, having conversations over time. And so that's why, um, really, uh, joining Jesus on his mission is simply a kind of a distillation of a lot of uh, a lot of lessons learned over over time and then made simple and clear so that anybody can say, you know what, I can do this mm-hmm. and uh, join Jesus uh, in their neighborhoods, workplaces, schools, etc., just like, just like you said before.
0: That's great. And your ministry, Dwelling 114, is based on John 114, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, what does make the connection for us the name of your ministry and John one fourteen?
1: Yeah, well, basically it's just a, a simple reminder that if we, you know, if we fancy ourselves to be followers of Jesus, not just followers of his theology or followers of his religion, but of the resurrected living Spirit of Jesus on the move out there, we're going to find ourselves being with, um, hanging out with. Uh, dwelling with people that don't know jesus or don't know him very well you know jesus accomplished the mission of his father not by hovering above people but by being with them and uh, in fact you know that's what emmanuel means so Mm -hmm. um that's i mean as as simple as that is a lot of times we forget that the only way we can be on mission with jesus is if we're actually with people who don't know them, if we're, uh-huh. we're investing in those relationships. We can't just know about them or talk about them. we got to go be with them.
0: I love that. So many times Christians that I speak to say, well, I don't know any unchurched people, and, and you really flush that out. Make the time to meet some of them. And you, and you talk, uh, you, you kind of open up that uh, book and conversation with asking the question, how is Jesus messing with you? Or what is he up to in your life? Explain that a little more, because I think that it's really good for us to think through those questions so that we can think about how we might relate to someone else or how God is working in our lives.
1: No, that that's very, thank you for asking that. Um, the funny thing is, you know, i I was born in, or raised in the South and live in the South, and messing with folks is, you know, uh, it has a very broad meaning. Uh, sometimes people from, you know, North uh, might think that that means picking on somebody mm-hmm. or, or bullying someone, messing with them. But uh, no, it, it's uh, it's simply that you know God, you know, often does uh, want to get our attention. He wants us to look up, look out. Um, and, uh, and so the, uh, you know, what is it that he's stirring in us? What's that uh, holy discontent, like some people say, and, uh, and why is he trying to get our attention? It's because he's on the move. He is um, you know, out there uh, stirring people, um, preparing people, ripening people. Um, for what? For someone who knows him and knows the good news, the news that's good, uh, to be able to connect with them and um and so you know that's why if we're if we really believe Jesus is not just a uh, inert force in the universe kind of like dark matter but that he's a, a dynamic person you know and that God indeed the age of the uh, uh you know the season of redemption and restoration long promised in the old testament ha- is now in play well then we really need to begin that process that only Jesus can do only Jesus can You know, only Jesus can redeem and restore people, but uh, with our seed, with our cool cup of water, with our kindness, with our uh, word of of hope, that's how that uh, begins to to have its way. That's how he begins to have his way through that means in them.
0: You bet. You bet. Now, uh, before we launch into more about what you said in your book, let's talk for a minute about the United States being a mission field and how our culture and our country has changed, especially as it relates to faith issues. Talk a little bit about some of the statistics related to the nuns and all of the yeah. ways that we have changed. And as you say in your book, Jesus isn't surprised by this. He knew this was going to happen, and he's preparing hearts even still today.
1: Absolutely. You know, there, there's uh, no doubt, no no uh, lack of uh, articles and books and, and so forth that go to the, you know, how did this happen? Uh, but I think what we just want to, you know, with, with our time today, we just want to acknowledge that, you know, uh, it has happened, that when um, I came of age in the 1960s and 70s um, uh, in, and I, you know, became a young person that was a Christian, um, the, the culture was still generally a Christian culture. People either went to church or at least knew they were supposed to go to church. Well, over these last uh, few decades, uh, which, you know, historically speaking, is just a blink of an eye, all of a sudden we've gone from a church culture to where the church is, you know, basically in a church culture servicing Christians or trying to reconnect people to, that are Christians to churches if they've uh, gotten disconnected so now we are find ourselves being a church in a mission field. That is where it, the uh, a growing number of people not only have walked away from church but have never even had experience with church. We are now in in some parts uh, some people are second, third, even fourth generation born and raised, you know, for for here in the United States that have no experience with the uh, you know, the body of Christ we call the church. So now the question for us is how do we be a, be a church that finds itself in a mission field and now we are preparing our people uh, not just to go out and be good Christian citizens, you know, with, along with all the other Christian citizens out there, but how do we help them to be uh, followers of Jesus and missionaries uh, in a culture that needs him so badly? And that, that requires a very different mindset and, and, and kind of discipling process. Um, you know, very different. It, we, it's not that we throw that out. You know, we don't throw a baby out with bathwater. But in addition to knowing, you know, the basics of doctrine and how a church uh, functions and what's my role within the church as it's gathered, now we have a, a a real need and opportunity to disciple people. How do I go once the church service is over? How do I go and be church out in the rest of my week? Uh, in the places that I've already been put, you know, where I live, where I work, where I play, where I hang out, where I go to school. And, and, you know, if we look around our culture, we see, you know, so many things that are disturbing and sad and and worse. And, you know, I think we can certainly blame the evil one for, for that, but I think we also need to realize that the Church has some complicity in that, that, you know, we have all these Christians going to church on Sunday worshiping Jesus, and then the one thing it gives us to really do, really put into play during the week is love our neighbors as ourselves. Well, what if if we actually did that? What if everybody who worshiped Jesus on Sunday went home and actually started to treat their neighbor better than they deserved? Mm -hmm. We call it grace. You know, what if we looked for opportunities to come alongside them with a little help, a little hope, a little uh, news that's good? Uh, I think we would see our culture respond to that in, in a very powerful way. Uh, I don't know anybody that doesn't uh, appreciate a little grace, a little joy, a little a little peace, a little news that's good. And uh, that's where our people, um, you know, if it, it's about taking a pulpit into the neighborhood, well, they, they know they can't do that. But if it's something as simple as loving their neighbor and uh, getting to know them and looking for opportunities to be a blessing, to share a little hope, um, share a little news that's good, people that, especially if they uh, are given the chance to take baby steps towards that, um, they, they find themselves, you know, we, we jokingly say we find out, it, it turns out Jesus does more than go to church on Sunday. <laughs> and, um, and and that's very motivating for them.
0: Yeah, it's it's always interesting to look at how Jesus reached people, and he was re- like always out in the crowds, wasn't he? Now, in one chapter in your book, Let's flush it out a little bit. Um, you talk about an inefficiently effective strategy that Jesus used. Explain that, because I'd never heard this one before, and I love the concept to well, think through. Well, yeah,
1: thank you. It, it Really, it's uh, just looking at what's already there in, in the Gospels. And, you know, uh, Americans, you know, we're very—we want to be efficient. We want to be effective. We want everything done yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, And so when we— we think about Jesus, you know, he had a, an active ministry of three years, and in three years he needs to save the world. You know, and yet when you read the Gospels, he's, he, it always seems like he's not quite in enough of a hurry. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's hanging out with people, he's mm-hmm. having dinner, he's, he's stopping and having a conversation here and walking with someone back to their home over there, and you feel like saying, Jesus, don't you know you have a lot to get done in a very little amount of time? and yet uh, maybe instead of us as Americans worrying about efficiency uh, uh, for the sake of effectiveness, you know, we need to take a little look in the mirror and go, how is that working for us? How is that efficient way of going about relationship working in terms of outreach and discipling? And, you know, we got to admit it's not working very good. Um, Around the rest of the world, they seem to be rocking and rolling as far as the gospel and discipling. And in the West, and in America particularly, we are losing ground at a At a startling rate, and so when we look at what Jesus was doing, he in fact was not very efficient in his time. He spent a lot of time with people in conversation, at at meal, um, you know, uh, stopping here, uh, going with someone there, and yet in that uh, he obviously was establishing the kingdom of God and releasing the kingdom of God and um instead you know so instead of us violating his uh uh, um, uh his uh example uh, maybe we should imitate it mm-hmm. and indeed um uh, that that inefficiency of relationship you know we you you have to spend a little time it, it doesn't all happen overnight um you don't get to be in charge of how the relationship progresses that inefficiency but happens to be the most effective way to actually see um, the reality of the gospel shared between human beings in relationship and and conversation and interaction over time, and um, so yeah, it, it may seem ineffic- inefficient, but it is the most effective way to actually engage the mission of God in the places we've been put, and uh, and and of course with whom we the the people we with whom we've been put.
0: So, use some of Jesus' strategies. What he has shared for our opportunities for witnessing. I want to make a few announcements, and then we're going to come back and continue talking about Greg's book, Joining Jesus on His Mission, How to Be an Everyday Missionary. Today, Family Shield is giving away the booklet, Live the Six, Being an Everyday Missionary. To request a complimentary copy, call the Family Shield Response Center, one 877 250 8416 or email us at witness2familygmail.com. At Please make sure you give us your complete name and address when you call or write. The Family Shield radio program airs on more than 50 radio stations each week throughout the United States and is also available through our podcast. We are a listener supported ministry. We invite your prayers and support. If you'd like to support, us, send a gift to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri 63123. You can also donate on our website at www.familyshieldministries.com. If you're a Thrivent Financial member, you can designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to support Family Shield Ministries. Go to www.thrivent.com slash thriventchoice or call Thrivent at 1 800 847 4836 and one of their employees will help you. Remember, you choose, but Thrivent gives the gift. Why not put Family Shield Ministries into your will or estate? Most people want to give the majority of their assets to their family. But many also put a favorite nonprofit ministry into their estate to receive 5 or 10% of it. Family Shield's estate program is entitled Generations Legacy. Your gift will allow us to continue the ministries for many generations and beyond your lifetime. For more information, contact us at witness2familygmail.com. Thanks again for listening to Family Shield and for your prayers. Learn more again at www.FamilyShieldMinistries.com. This is Kay Meyer, host for today's Family Shield program. Thanks for listening. Now I want to go back to my guest, Greg Finke, and we've been talking about his book, Joining Jesus on His Mission Um there is so much in this, and I know the time is just always challenging. An- another part of your book that I really loved was talking about the missional party. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? And explain to our listeners a little bit about some of the relationships that be- that grew out of a missional party in your neighborhood.
1: Well, that, that uh, again, is a, a you know, a, in some ways is a blinding flash of the obvious that, you know, if we're going to uh, get to know people and uh, and have unhurried conversations with them, we really um, have to kind of create a a uh, an environment where that can happen. Um, you know, otherwise, you know, weeks lead into months lead into years, and all of a sudden we find that we've lived in the same, uh, you know, the same place for, for years and years and still don't know people that are within – you know 50 yards of us mm-hmm. and so the uh, the missional party is simply creating an environment it you know looks like a party might look somebody might be an introvert not not really feel comfortable you know having a bunch of people get together and maybe they just uh, you know have some baked goods and, and get to know people one at a time or something like that but the whole point of it is is to put ourselves in position to be able to have some unhurried time with people a little uh, proximity to them uh, some activity usually involving food, and uh, lo and behold, conversation begins to emerge. And if you do that every once in a while, not every week, not every month, but every once in a while, uh, then what we find is, you know, uh, friendship begins to emerge. You know, we, we become a neighborhood again. And people say, well, that's not evangelism. And I'm like, well, that's true. But what that does is it now creates, recreates the, the context where evangelism can happen much more naturally between friends instead of awkwardly between strangers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that happen to live within 50 yards of each other.
0: So one of your neighbors that comes over, maybe it takes a, a few weeks or months, but they start telling you about a challenge that they're going through in their life.
1: Oh, yeah. So, I mean, this happened uh, relatively quickly. One of the one of the backdrops to this, uh, Kay, is that You know, there's all kinds of uh, studies out there about the, um, you know, how how relationally isolated and insulated Americans are. We are, by uh, many measures, the most, uh, you know, isolated, lonely people Mm -hmm. on the face of the earth, even though most of us, uh, many of us at least, live in in very densely populated areas. uh, The way that we go about life in America causes people to be very alone and uh the the uh you know the most recent survey information says that 53% of Americans have one or no one with whom they feel they can have a significant conversation so that means half the people hmm. we see every day uh feel like no one gives a rip about what they think or what they want they're struggling with or wondering about so if we you know simply make ourselves available and get to know people and 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 show ourselves um know even even begin to show some sense of care and approachability um, you'll find yourself uh, you know on the receiving end of somebody wanting to share what's going on in their life um, and when they do that then of course we are in a much better place not to let loose everything we know about Jesus all at once mm-hmm. we call that the Jesus hose kind of mm-hmm. like you know spraying them down with everything we got all at once but rather to offer them a cool cup of water of Jesus just enough to, you know, quench the thirst that they've revealed to you. Um, and uh, we've done that in our neighborhood. And obviously I, with one fourteen, this is happening in neighborhoods all over the country now. And um, and it really is amazing how soon and how willing people begin to share what's going on in their life because, you know, uh, they, they need to share that. Um, and uh, we've had spiritual conversations with every one of our uh uh, every one of the households in, that live uh, right around us, we've prayed with them, uh, not because we've uh, approached them and tracked them down, but because in the course of our conversations, um, you know, these things are now the next right thing to do. And people have received that as we've meant it, namely as a, uh, an expression of our care for them. We pray in the name of Jesus. We pray, you know, for them and with them and um you know that's just made made a huge huge difference and th- every time that happens with your neighbors now that's part of the stat- that's part of the new status quo mm-hmm. you know now it's not they weird it. to talk yep. about these kinds of things or to share among neighbors because we know we can and we have and it it really uh, ends up being very healthy
0: you also talk about ministering through prayer and obviously when people share a burden that they have As Christians, it's good for us to say, can I pray for you or with you? And you talk about this praying out loud, and I use it a lot myself through our ministry. I've done that for years, but I can remember back when I didn't even pray out loud, and I know how often that scares people. But if we can get over that and realize we're just talking to Jesus, and don't worry about the words, it can be a tremendous tool for sharing Christ, and ministering to those around us, can't yes. it?
1: Yeah, we, we say you'll be terrified just once. <laughs> uh, but, you know, if you, can, if you can set aside your terror and, um, and realize it's not about getting your words right, but inviting your king in, um, that really helps a lot. The other thing, Kay, that, you know, is a very key part of what we um, train and help people start to, to uh, put into plat- practice is uh what we call the uh, missional community that is uh, getting together regularly with a, a smaller group of people that are also seeking to join Jesus on his mission in their everyday lives and we have these five simple questions that we give these people to be able to kind of use serve as catalysts for telling the story of how it went this last week and the reason I bring that up with regard to prayer is one of the five questions is, "How can I help you in prayer?" Mm-hmm. And as we end every one of these, uh, you know, gathering times, we'll we'll have each person ask the person next to them, "How can I help you in prayer?" And then everybody goes around the circle and prays for that person. And again, that way we are getting some real live practice of praying out loud in a very very safe environment, uh, so that when we when God does give us the chance to pray with somebody you know, in our neighborhood or our workplace or wherever. Now it's not new and strange. We did this last Thursday night with our friends.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now I can, I can ask that question because I'm used to asking it. Well, how can I help you in prayer? Yeah. And do you mind if I pray with you right now?
0: Yeah, good. What are some of those other questions that you uh, have for your uh, missional communities?
1: Yeah, well, in the book we unpack uh, five simple mission practices, seeking the kingdom, hearing from Jesus, particularly in the Gospels, where we see Jesus on his mission, um, talking with people, uh, doing good, and then ministering through prayer. And each of those are very simple practices that we can look for opportunities to put into play uh, during our everyday lives. Then the five practices are simply, five. I mean, the five questions are simply uh, questions that give us opportunity to think about and, and tell the story of what happened when we you know, if we had the chance to put that practice into play. So, you know, Seek the Kingdom becomes what did you see God up to out there this week? What was He showing you? What was He asking you to notice? What was He inviting you to believe or do? Um, you know, and, you know, some of the other ones like uh, uh, talking with people, tell me about the conversations that you had this last week, especially with people that maybe were outside of your circle of, mm-hmm. of you know, of, of church. Um, doing good, you know, well, what good are we able to do uh, as you kind of think about what happened last week and you think about the week to come, uh, you know, how might God prepare and advance the good work that we get to do Ephesians 2:10. And if we have a place where we can kind of think about that and become a little intentional about that, well, then we find ourselves more regularly and consistently, um, you know, seeking the kingdom and talking with people and, and doing good and, and uh, ministering through prayer. Mm-hmm. now we got all kinds of stories, because uh, it turns out, like we said, Jesus does more than go to church on Sunday. He's kind <laughs> of a busy fellow out there. Yes, he is. Yeah.
0: Now, I, I hope we have enough time for this. You talked about reaching a drug dealer in your book, um, and I don't remember all the details, but just that he was a peaceful person. Do you? Can you yeah. qu- quickly share what happened with that? So that we're not just looking for good people, we're looking for people that need Jesus.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and, and the key to understanding that story was that was the, the person that was nearby. You know, we, we, we can't, we can't uh, connect with people who don't want to connect with us, but we can, you know, uh, start to invest a little bit in people that seem open to us relationally. And those uh, people that, you know, uh, the bio, Jesus talks in Luke 10, verse 6 about people of peace, you know, that, that there are whole people that Holy Spirit has prepared to connect with us, to receive our, our goodwill, to receive our peace, to receive, to be a person of peace, and to go ahead and invest in that person uh, with time and relationship. And in that particular case, that it was a drug dealer. Um, and uh, and even though, you know, he obviously was breaking the law and a sinner, uh, well, uh, he still needed Jesus. And um, and likewise, you know, we may not have drug dealers uh, within, you know, uh, reach of our, our everyday lives, but who is there? You know, mm-hmm. what center is there that if, with, with, if we just connect with them and, and say good morning and start, you know, start to give a chance to connect, and they seem to be open to that, um, what, might, what might happen if we just start to uh, pay attention, invest a little bit in that person relationally? And in this case, uh, that, that gentleman was receiving the good news of God. Wow. And, uh, and his life was really uh, impacted by the good news of God.
0: All right, good. Our time is up. My guest has been Greg Finke. His book, Joining Jesus on His Mission. Thank you so much, Greg, for being my guest today. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in his word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, PO Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.